I V M. Audio advertising has, for the longest time, been a one-way street when it came to communicating with consumers. But that's fast changing in today's voice tech era, giving brands the ability to have an engaged and personalized two-way conversation with the consumer, and in doing so, setting the road to conversational digital advertising beyond just audio. One company that's helping drive this form of conversational audio advertising is Instamatic, and today, at their founder and CEO, Stas Tushinsky. On advertising is dead. To talk about all this and so much more, I'm Varun Dugirala, and this is advertising is dead. We're right back with stars. Welcome back to advertising is dead with stars. You know, when I first got to know about your company and what you're kind of building out, um, there are a few things that came to mind. But I thought the good way to start this conversation off would be. What brought you towards focusing on on audio advertising and kind of figuring how that could be innovated beyond a one way approach? I think that's a good place to start. It is wide enough, and I'd love to go deeper post that. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today and to speak with you. Um, yeah. So it all started back in 2015. Back then, me and my team we were working on business development at a music streaming app, mm-hmm. and um, and back then we realized that it's close to impossible to make money uh, on music streaming mm. because people don't want to pay for subscriptions in general, even in, uh, in rich markets. It's still the, the percentage of people who are willing to pay for music is fairly low. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it was so hard to compensate that, that loss with body advertising. And, we, mm. and it became clear to us that it's not just our problem, it's a global problem. Especially given that uh, 77% of internet users are listening to audio content, and mm-hmm. yet audio advertising represents, I don't know, like less than, I think, 3% of digital ad spend. So clearly there's a disbalance, a big disbalance. Yeah. And we thought that if we can solve that problem, that challenge for the industry, then that's a great opportunity to create a lot of value for everybody. And so we started working on, uh, we started in Instramatic mm-hmm. as a way to solve the, what we've learned later was the engagement challenge mm. that the audio advertising had, meaning you cannot engage with audio ads because you listen to them in the background. There, there, is, there are no clicks, no mm. clicks, yeah. no performance, yeah. no measurement. It's really hard to compete with display and video. And uh, that's how we got started with this product and with this company. Yeah. That, that's actually a, an interesting point. And I don't know why that's never been that much of a focus. I feel that with music, what ended up happening was advertising just kind of came in. You took People took what was there in radio, plugged it in between uh, songs, and that's what it became. And also because we don't look at our apps or don't look at the platforms when we are listening, right? We just have something plugged in and then maybe a phone or, uh, or your laptop or just lying around. Um, so how do you evolve it from what is, in a sense, a, a one-way stream? Um you kind of go back to when you started off and say, okay, this is what you set out to solve. Um, look, the f- uh, first period of it, what were the initial learnings and, and how did you come upon the product you have right now? Yeah, so we were thinking a lot how we can solve the, the engagement challenge. Mm. And uh, one day it just struck us, uh, voice is the answer. Mm. Because that's natural way to engage with everything, actually. Mm. And back then, we already had Siri, but it was maybe six months 
before Alexa happened. Mm. I mean, Alexa, Alexa, boom and hype. I, I remember it clearly it was CES to, to 2017 mm. when everybody just started talking about Alexa. And we were lucky with the timing because when we introduced our first uh, pilot product, this is exactly when Alexa hype started and it helped us a lot. And it also helped us in, on a macro level because it, it kind of, it, it made the voice adoption faster. Um, and th- so that was the first part to realize what needs to be done. But then the second step was, I think it was even, it was a harder task for us, like how it should work because mm-hmm. it wasn't obvious. Back then, and, and still, this is the reality. Of, you know, even today, we have thirty-second ad spots. So mm. all audio ads are supposed to fit thirty-second ad, ad blocks, like ninety percent of them. You have fifteen as well, mm. but majority is thirty-second. Mm. And when you have, when you can speak with a consumer, when you can have a dialogue, you cannot fit it in thirty seconds because yeah. conversations can go in many directions. Started with I want to learn more, mm. all the way to leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you right now. Mm. cannot be the same 30-second ad. And I think that was maybe the biggest breakthrough that we had when we just said to ourselves, what if we had no advertising today? Mm. So why don't we forget about radio ads? Mm. How would we want ads to be to be like today, right? And it was clear we would want it to be AI-driven, mm. conversational, interactive, and fun. And it should be short because today everybody's like multitasking, always, you know, in a hurry. And so we're like, okay, if that's the case, why don't we make ads better? Because let's be real, people hate ads. (laughs) They love brands, but they hate ads. So if if we can make ads entertaining, shorter, and more relevant, that's just a better world to live in, right? And so, yeah, we started with this uh, construct, which serves you what we call an invitation to a dialogue. It's like Mm -hmm. on average 10 seconds, audio tease mm-hmm. that starts with something like hey this is your favorite coffee shop mm-hmm. how would you like to skip the line in the morning and get a warm or a hot cup of coffee waiting for you mm-hmm. and then you can respond oh yeah i'd love that all right so this is what you need to do get our app for example. Mm-hmm. or you can say no i don't like coffee mm-hmm. go wait yeah. all right yeah. sorry about that we'll try harder next time and uh, we enable that interactivity on the on the user side, but on the back end, we measure all the insights and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. So, and that's actually an interesting part of it because in most cases we are not, and I feel Alexa has changed that. And, and over time, weirdly enough, all the series started off, I feel that Alexa kind of moved it up a notch far faster than anything else. Um, but we're over time coming to a point where I, I see present generations, especially are a lot more open to just having a conversation with a device. Uh, you go to anyone, I, I'm guessing, older than a certain age, uh, even in their th- late 30s would be, you know, it, it takes a little bit to kind of come to that point. Um, so keeping that in mind, how do you look at building that uh, that user journey? Right? How do you build the user journey for, okay, this is what will work for, um, a, a, as you guys call it, a, a dialogue-based ad. Um, how will that work versus... Uh, how we've always done things. How do you kind of remap that journey? Yeah. One comment about demographics. Um, mm. there, there is there's data showing which which demographics are ahead of the learning curve and which are lagging behind. And the lagging behind people are people our age, 30 mm. to 50 years old. Yeah. So you get obviously younger people adapting voice fast, 
mm. they don't like to type. But then you also have older people. Yeah. Uh, for them, it's so hard to figure out visual interfaces yeah. that they prefer to talk. It's really so true, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting market to be in today because you know you're actually talking to really young and fairly old people. <laughs> because people are usually like, I know how to type. I spent 30 years of my life learning it. So yeah. I'm not I don't want to give that up so change. quickly. It's like, yeah. And that's exactly. so true, actually. I, I see that older people use all the devices. But the only thing I see, and, and I feel that's where it is, is because you have multiple devices and multiple ways to kind of do this. Um, it, I guess everybody's got their own way of doing it. So it gets a, I'm, I'm sure it's far tougher to build a user journey in audio than it is in what is text or, or video because you don't know how someone's going to respond. I mean, I, the options are infinite. Yeah. So um, going back to your question, yeah. what we've learned is that actually the only thing that, that can work and the only thing that works mm. is a natural conversation. So when we think about IVR experience, you know, mm. when you call a bank or some company and they like mm. put you on hold, say this for that, say, say that for this. And then eventually everybody just screaming representative, representative, representative. Yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's not great user experience. So we thought like, we're not doing that because it's just, it, we, we, we have it a lot already. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, you know, and it took us a lot of time to actually create this um, AI driven platform that can understand people's intents regardless of what they say. So if there is, sense in what you're saying we'll get it mm. so that's number one it should really be a resonant one-on-one conversation mm. which can be like hey i'm this brand do you want to you know discuss this do you want to learn more are you interested you know just say you know say uh, how are you feeling today and then you as a listener you don't really have to think about what exactly you should say you're just like hmm well sure tell me or F off or whatever, mm. you you, you kind of get this. Uh, we put you in a very comfortable environment because mm. you talk to other people every day and you do it many many times. So it's not a it's not there is no point of friction, and that proved to be the right approach because it allows us to get really really high engagement rates. Um, I, I'll give you a couple of numbers. So I remember when we were launching our first pilot, we thought like if we can only reach. 3% voice engagement rate. That would be great because, you know, the average CDRs are lower than 1%. Mm-hmm. And then we saw 14, so 1.4. And it was it blew us away. But what's really interesting is that the numbers are still consistent over the time and across multiple territories where we're live. And, and it wasn't obvious why, why this is the case because you can expect to have some novelty effect and then numbers would go back to like, one percent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it became clear that nothing is easier than just to say what you think out loud. You don't need to look for green button for X or whatever. You just say like you just say whatever you want. Yeah, and, and then at the back end of it, how are you going to track what's working, what's not working? How do you look at the data and kind of break it up for someone to look at it and saying this is what I've learned from the data or this is how I map it going ahead? Mm-hmm. So what we're doing effectively is we're measuring intentions. So we measure if there is intent and what kind of intent is it? it could be a purchase insight like hey i'm interested in your brand or i'm interested in this product tell me more or it could be an intention to not to buy or at least not now 
with the responses like, uh, no, not interested, or probably not in the foreseeable future with responses like, leave me alone, don't talk to me ever again, F off. And you know, we, we call it uh, 50 shades of no, because we think the no <laughs> is the most valuable component in yeah. the voice there, because now you can learn and measure, well, rather learn why 99% of people don't click on ads, because now you can hear them. Yeah explaining why and we think this is the most powerful component this is the biggest breakthrough in marketing in in i think since since the internet because internet made ads interactive and now voice era makes them kind of two-way conversation and now we have the no interest um and marketers can access all those all these insights and leverage them to increase efficiency of marketing campaigns a good example would be if you know that somebody is interested, then you can take this person on one journey. And if you have somebody who is not interested and no today doesn't mean no forever, right? So you can take them on, on a different journey, yeah. which, which is a way to create healthy and good relationship with that particular person. You make a good point. Um, you don't have to go looking for that one X somewhere, which is hidden in a tiny part of a visual ad, which you're trying to get rid of so you can move on to your content. Uh, you're just saying, I don't want to see this uh, or I don't want to listen to this anymore and you kind of move ahead. Um, I'd love to dig into an example of how you've done this. I, I know that you did something with, with Pizza Hut and I, I'd love to look at that as an example of of how that would work for a brand um, and how it would even work for the consumer and how they interacted with it. Yeah, Pizza Hut was a great case study that we did with Zaxxis and uh, with Ghana last year. Mm. Um, yeah, so the ad, it was targeting people uh, it was offering buy one, get one uh, mm. campaign. And uh, and what we did is that, well, we offered to, we, off, we <laughs> offered the offers. Mm. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. uh, so those who were interested, they were taken to the landing page. Well, first they heard more details about how, how great it is. And then they were taken to the landing, landing page. Those who were not interested. So first we assumed that maybe the time was wrong. So maybe somebody just ate. And so it just wasn't, wasn't the right moment. So we came back with uh with what we call a continuous dialogue technology mm. so we came back with a, with a new creative which was like hey you know last time we spoke you know probably you you went hungry but yeah. if you're now here's our offer mm. and uh we managed to generate interest among the audience that uh, originally declined the offer mm. so it became really powerful so almost like a salesperson who learns uh, after one now, one sales pitch doesn't go through, the, your ad's almost functioning in that scenario, um, rather than the same ad coming back to them again and again. Yeah, but we do it in a, in a general way because mm. it always fairly short interaction. It's not like you say no, and they're like, oh, no, 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 don't go away. <laughs> I have this, I have that. No, 10% discount, don't go away. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, not now, fine, let's go back to music. But mm. next time you get an ad, and this is the best part, it won't be the same repetitive mm. ad right, that you already heard many times. So it'll be something else. It would be, it picks up where you left it off. Also from a creative standpoint, that would require you to create multiple iterations and versions of, of I mean, I think you, you almost like mapping out all the scenarios of daytime, nighttime, around lunch, or let's say um, any, any meal in that sense. Um, just as an example for someone, from an execution standpoint, how did that work out? How do you build that out as a brand? The first step is to understand your target action. So mm. what do you want to achieve eventually? 
That's where yeah. you start. Like you yeah. start with the end, right, of the journey. Mm. And then you, just like you said, map it out to the start. So what do you want to say to those who are interested? Mm. And let's say that this journey can also go in many directions. So yeah. the first scenario is like, I'm interested, but I didn't buy it. Mm. So what are you going to say to this person? Obviously, there is interest, but you need just to close to, to lend the deal, right? Yeah. Um, then you have those who are not interested, but it could be just not a bad moment, right? It could be the mm. bad moment. Mm. Uh, what are you going to say to them? Or those who, again, using profanity, then this is a great opportunity to use a highly emotional moment to reverse it and respond mm. with a joke and uh, kind of create a, su- a surprise. It's like a, it's such a fantastic effect to, you know, to take on people because if somebody's like, you know, ah, leave me alone. I hate you. I, you know, I don't like ads. And then all of a sudden it responds with a joke and can be like, does your mother know you talk like this? <laughs> it could be such a memorable experience that this, per- I'm sure this person will go and tell to friends yeah. like, Oh, I just spoke with, I don't know, with this brand and yeah. just what, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we provide best practices, uh, how to do that. We also help with creatives um, and with copywriting because we know what works and what doesn't. And also, the more you do it, the easier it gets uh, in terms of uh, creating great copywriting, uh, great, great copy. Sorry. Um, yeah. So right now we're helping marketers and brands, uh, but the more experience they get uh, building dialogues, the easier it will be for them. And what's really great about conversational ads is that it doesn't have to be high production value creative. So you don't have to have like jingles, special effects, you know, dancing bears. It really has to be uh, a resonant one-on-one conversation. And we did a a lot of case studies around it. And we saw that adding special effects and and complexity just doesn't help. It actually distracts us. So the simpler it is in a sense, the the better it is because I guess the audience has more clarity rather than, getting overwhelmed by all the stuff that's happening in the background. Right. It's just like us speaking right now. Yeah. Imagine if instead of me responding to you, I would be, you know, jumping, dancing, and then adding music and then yeah. explosions. <laughs> it would be so hard to understand what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when we're looking at this and, and it brings me to interesting, an interesting point, right? Um, well, audio advertising has seen this jump with Voice with voice becoming a part of the conversation. Um, how do you kind of bring that in to any of the platforms? So let's say if, if I am, um, you know, if I'm a Ghana, if I'm let's say a, a Spotify, I'm, I'm any of these platforms. How does this kind of enhance how I put out audio advertising? Because I think a lot of them also are trying to figure out different ways to kind of keep consumers as part of their platform. So. How does this work in a positive sense um, beyond the monetization part for, for those platforms? Um, if you think about it, interactive and skippable ads are better user experience than repetitive 30-second audio ads. Mm-hmm. So a lot of research around it. Every time we... So, so only those who opt in can get voice ad. Mm-hmm. And so and when we offer users this experience, we tell them like, hey... If you want to make audio ads interactive, some of them will be skippable. You allow us to access microphone. Mm. And on average, we see 50 to 80% adoption in the first 90 days. Mm. It just tells us that, you know, people don't like their ad experience today. So they're ready to do whatever just to improve it. Mm. And, and this looks like a big improvement because it, can, it makes it more fun. 
less repetitive and potentially shorter. And uh, so we don't, we never experienced any kind of a pushback when we launched uh, voice ads on, on all the on all the publishers that we're working with today. In in an interesting way, what I'm also kind of feeling as, as you're speaking is that this also fundamentally provides an opportunity for for visual advertising as well because visual advertising, as much as we like to say it has become more interactive. It's still in many ways still a one-way street. It's still it's still one way. Um, how do you see this playing into into that aspect as well? Because if you can make the audio aspects of visual ads um, a lot more interactive and a lot more dialogue based, do you see that as an evolution of this? Where this actually goes just beyond just being audio to across the board? Mm-hmm. That's a very great. That's a very good question. So we think of voice uh, of voice advertising as mobile advertising 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's early days, but it's going to affect all ad-supported media. Mm-hmm. So obviously starting with audio, which is a, a natural space for mm-hmm. voice right now, but eventually we'll see voice interfaces and voice marketing mm-hmm. uh, expanding into video, into gaming, into uh, navigation everywhere because voice is the easiest input for mm. us. It's, it's a lot easier for us to say what we want to get instead of yeah. just, you know, typing or clicking. Um, you know, I have a bunch of more pieces to ask you, but I know we need to go in for a break. So you just going to take a quick break and, and come right back to advertising is dead. Welcome back to advertising is dead. We still just ask, um, so the next aspect I actually want to talk to you about is that as this form of advertising kind of scales up and, and a large part of the audience of this podcast are young, um, not, just from a, not just from a consumer end of things, but also people who are getting into the job market, who are already in the early stages of their careers and are trying to figure out what the future kind of holds or what they could do. How do you see this aspect kind of scaling up the kind of career opportunities people could have, what they could actually end up doing, what kind of roles they might be able to work in um, or, and even where they might want to upskill themselves. I think this is a great opportunity, especially for those who are just starting their careers because this is a nascent space. There is so much to do in voice marketing and not just in voice advertising, which we're discussing today, but also mm-hmm. you have skills. You're going to see uh, voice assistants, owned by each brand. Mm-hmm. So let's say when you talk to, for example, Mercedes-Benz, mm-hmm. you talk to their assistant across all the media channels. You're not talking to Alexa or to Siri. Mm-hmm. You're actually talking to them or Coca-Cola. Um, and so, and it's be so important to make it right because brands' uh, reputation is at stake. Because if, if you as a user say something and then, for example, Coca-Cola doesn't get you when mm. you said something simple, it's not like you've really tried hard, but you're just like, I don't know. Yes, I'm not interested. And mm. it doesn't get you. Mm. That's super bad. And, um, and on the country, if, you, if, it, if, if user says, no, I'm interested and you got it right, mm. then it's kind of... It's, it creates so much value for, for brands. So it's going to be so important to make it right, to get it done right, to use the right technology. Uh, and also to help the, the AI to, uh, how should I say, to, to speak in the way that this particular brand should speak. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be generic. Each brand should have a unique voice, a unique way of communicating. Some brands like to be bold. Others should be rather neutral. 
and on and on, right? So there's a lot of opportunities. Um, and I'm personally really excited about what, what we're doing and what we're seeing in the industry. There's an interesting aspect of this as well. That is the fact that the more we, and I feel that this is even predating voices that the more of our personal preferences and, and data that we are sharing, it makes our experience as consumers a lot more, um, I'd say a lot richer and a, and a lot more personalized. Um, and therein comes a question many times about, okay, this is still my data. I want, I want that level of privacy. So especially as we move into spaces like this, how do you see that balancing out? How do you see that? Okay. I want, I, I love a bunch of these brands. I want them to be able to speak to me and I can speak back to them, but I also want to make sure the access I give them is something I can kind of control. Um, which I know is one of the trickiest conversations in this entire space that right? we, we, we go, I, I feel like we fluctuate between, okay, I want everything personalized, but I also want my privacy. It's almost right. like, like saying, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Uh, but how do you find that balance? People are afraid of what they don't understand or mm-hmm. what they don't know. And the problem with that tag is that people don't know or don't understand why we see those shoes on a different website, you know, the shoes that they saw somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how it works. And it creates this feeling of, of somebody spying on me. It's like, mm-hmm. like literally somebody sitting behind my back and watching what I'm doing mm-hmm. in order to show me relevant. Yeah. And I think voice ads, <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm biased, but, <laughs> but, if you, but, but if you think about it, voice ads can really change that because the way for you as a user to control what brand knows about you is by saying only what you wanted to know. Mm. So when you have a conversation, let's say with Coca-Cola, mm. it's up to you to decide what you want to say, what, what you want to tell Coca-Cola. Yeah. And then you have your own personal experience and relationship with Coca-Cola based on what you said. And that makes it transparent. That makes it easy to understand because the next time when Coke comes back to you and it picks up the, the conversation where you left it off, you don't feel surprised because, oh yeah, we discussed it like a week ago. So obviously, <laughs> you know, you remember, it would be weird if you didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike with all the retargeting mechanisms that people just, it's, and it's, you know what? And it's so funny that everybody is after ad tech, given that ad tech doesn't have uh, personal identifiable information. So they mm-hmm. don't know people's names, addresses, credit card information, unlike e-commerce, for example, right? Mm-hmm. But e-commerce is clear. It's transparent. Like I gave my credit card to the shop. So, you know, my expectation that the shop has my personal information. But with that, yeah. the problem is the, that everything is happening in the back end. And voice marketing and voice ads is a way to, to I think, to make it right for the very first time. Um, I don't think you're just being biased. I, I actually feel that what you said makes sense um, because... Oftentimes, you don't know what you're sharing unless you actually say it. Um, what you, I think what we click isn't necessarily um, something we retain. Right? We don't know where we clicked on and, and what we uh, agreed upon um, or like where, what we swiped through. But if you've said something in somewhere at the back of your head, you know you've said it. Um, now I'm going to have a very complicated thought and tell me if that's where things are kind of going. As you as you're talking, it came to me. Is that Let's say I'm talking to... We've been talking, you mentioned Coca-Cola or something. Let's say I'm talking to Coca-Cola, but I'm saying a lot of the stuff I've said to them, I'd love for any other brand in the same space to know that that these are my preferences. So without me even having to say it, you already know it. I know I'm complicating it, but is that a possibility in the future? Um, yes. And I think the way 
brands should think about it is they can use this dialogue opportunities mm. to get, so it doesn't have to be like, hey, buy our product. It could be like, hey, we're thinking about new flavor for our uh, summer Coke, whatever. Mm. Would you, what would you want to, what would you like to get to buy? Uh, grape or watermelon, for example. Mm. And they're like, hmm, watermelon is fine. And so and then all of a sudden, Coke got your opinion. You had a conversation with the brand, but it wasn't a sales pitch, mm. right? So everybody wins. You, you just shared your tastes. Coke learned something about you and about the market, yeah. which is a win-win. You know, there's something interesting which I I, I, I found or I was running through um, some details, some research on you is that um, you speak about the trifecta of, of how you make sure that you have happy consumers and happy platforms and happy brands. Um, I love for you to get into that because in in some cases, that's what ad tech is really working towards. Right? You have three, in every case, you actually have three um, sets of, of people you have to kind of um, make sure that they're all happy. How, how do you kind of focus on that trifecta? Um, the cornerstone of what we do is good user experience because if people don't like it, that means they won't engage. That means we don't have the business. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work. And so the first step for us to get the user experience right, and I believe we did that because, because the engagement rates tell us that it's working, people are talking, even when they say no, and most people say no to an ad, mm-hmm. it's still great because, because they're not interested and so we make their ad experience shorter. Um, so users win because they get shorter, interactive, and a lot more fun ad experience. Uh, advertisers win because they can... Well, first, in the audio space, they can measure engagement. That's just not available right now. Um, And so, but then they can also measure the no interest part, which we think is just the most valuable component because it can put voice advertising at the forefront of your bigger uh, communication strategy because Mm -hmm. now you can learn who are those people who are interested and not interested, what they have in common, where they live. And that can affect your bigger marketing campaign on Facebook, on TV and radio, uh, because you can get some insights before you spend millions of dollars on on a bigger campaign. Mm -hmm. So that's how advertisers win. And publishers win because first they provide better user experience. They can now serve fewer repetitive ads. And two, um, we we introduced a new new business model. new for, for, for the audio industry, which is cost per intent. Uh, and that means when there is when we measure an intent, that's when advertiser pays. And that allows publishers and platforms uh, to make higher um, eCPMs, so higher ad yields. Mm-hmm. So users get better and shorter ad experience. Publishers are making more money and serving less rep- uh, annoying and fewer repetitive ads. Mm-hmm. And advertisers, they get insights uh, that they cannot get elsewhere. Um, that's actually an interesting metric because most times um, I feel intent gets missed a lot in, and that's one of my key takeaways, right? Everything that you spoke about is that well, the more you can map out intent, you take away in many cases the the part about advertising that most people don't like is the fact that, um, which is the fact that I'm getting ads folk pushed onto me, which I don't necessarily want. And I think that intent makes it a far richer experience. So I that, that's a very interesting metric to look at, um, especially from a brand's point of view. And um, what I also want to ask you is, 
where is this kind of headed? If I mean, we've spoken about a bunch of the points here, but if you have to kind of look at it and, and almost say, this is what's kind of leading up to for the future. Uh, if you have to pick a few things, um, especially for brands, what, what, what would those be? I think brands should start thinking about their sonic identity, like how exactly their brand should sound like. Mm. Uh, so that the next time you hear this voice, you immediately understand, oh, it's X yeah. brand talking to me. So they don't have to say like, hey, it's us. It's like, oh yeah, I know it's you because that's your unique voice. Um, so that's number one. Number two is is the style. Like mm. each, each brand, especially all the good ones, they represent some values. And values, they get um, distributed through through uh, visuals, through, through, through the copy. And now it's time to also distribute them through voice, through brand's voice. It doesn't have to be even one voice, but it has to be something consistent, right, across, across the board. Um, and then, yeah, and then they should look at the, at the entire sales funnel and see where uh, different voice products can fit. Because you can you, you you have voice ads, then you're gonna have voice surveys, then you can uh, sign up people to your voice apps mm-hmm. on many voice system platforms. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a it's a new universe. It's so hard to yeah. repurpose what we had uh, what we had in the internet so far. Yeah, I, I could not agree more on that front. Uh, you know, towards the uh, later half of every episode, I ask all my guests a, a set of questions. Um, and uh, and they generally aren't about work, they're more about you. And um, so apart from focusing on all the all the voice experiences, uh, what do you spend a lot of your time doing? Uh, what's your, um, what keeps you interested? What keeps you, go, what takes up your time outside of work? Um, I really like just observing life. <laughs> it sounds... <laughs> It doesn't feel this thing in 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 a, in a if it, if it said this maybe two odd years ago it would have been a far I, I'd say far deeper question from my end as a response but yeah but I, I I'm gathering that is this a recent phenomenon or has this always been the case? I I think maybe it's just I'm getting a bit older every day so um, so I noticed that uh, I I kind of stopped cheering for one side mm. because you always have you know different groups of people, you're going to have this tribalism, right? This is my tribe. We always right. Your tribe is always wrong. So Mm. now let us discuss this. So I I, kind of get a lot of joy just by observing it because Mm. I understand that it's really, it's not about right or wrong, uh, truth or lie. It's really about uh, interests Mm. and then how people try to fight for their interests Mm. creating different stories. So I, and I I like to discuss this with people uh, that I meet, I you know, I just I'm curious of um, new opinions and new angles on the facts and on the stories that everybody hears, because there's always many sides of one story, and and I really enjoy learning all the sides that are missing. Um, so that's and that that allows me to to relax and to and kind of have fun time because today it's just if you're not really into this fight, mm-hmm. then it's such a it's a fun point, just observing it. <laughs> That's such a fabulous answer. I, mean, I, I feel that like the more time you spend, and I agree with you, that the more time you spend observing how everybody else is, just like understanding what everybody else's point of view is, not just about work, but about life and everything else is 
so much to learn as long as you keep yourself open to those points of view um rather than staying in your own bubble i i feel we've lived in a in many bubbles now over the last few years um anything that you've uh, read listened to or watched in recent times that you'd recommend um i think that's the question where i would feel good if i give you something that you haven't heard of before uh-huh. but i'm <laughs> but i guess i'm a boring guy i prefer for mainstream audience to filter what's good for me uh-huh. Mm-hmm. and then i can just watch the the top content so obviously you know i i watch things like uh billions uh black mirror if we're mm-hmm. talking about tv shows yeah i listen to audiobooks because i got uh, i got exhausted of uh, reading and typing you know throughout the day so i like to listen to books and you podcasts you just moved an audio experience altogether now beyond work as well yeah so i and i think it's important because important for for people like me meaning for, for people who work on products that affects millions of people mm-hmm. it's important to understand how the majority thinks and how what's what's popular today it's not, it's not just about the content it's about probably the way of communication and uh and how we are all evolving because it's so easy to get uh, stuck in your own bubble so you mm-hmm. miss the 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 evolution and uh, what is generally uh, uh, my last question which is always a take on the name of the show is um why do you think um conversational audio advertising will not die it's a longer term but i just thought i'll go deeper on this one and see what you come back with because it's part of a bigger trend uh, it's part of of bigger trend which is called voice era uh what we've learned so far by we i don't mean just our company we as everybody involved in the industry uh so what we've learned so far is that voice is the easiest way to input information and uh display in screens is the easiest way to output information and it seems that that's where it's all going you're going to have a lot of screens that you can speak with um and uh and in that environment just uh showing a bunch of banners i don't think is a great idea or or text uh yeah and and video ads they'll become voice enabled as well but then voice is not a it's not a it's not a new medium it's rather a way to enhance all our current experience thank you so much for doing this stuff it, it's been a fabulous conversation and, and um, it's an area which i feel that most people haven't understood as much in terms of what the possibilities are and i think is i'm i'm happy we've done this chat so almost kick starts a bunch of minds as to what more they could actually do in the space so thank you so much for coming on advertising instead Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM Podcast website or app or wherever you get your podcasts from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there.